Flying Mood Productions presents Laugh, Literature and Film. Broadcasting live from Flying Bull Productions Studios, it's Laugh, episode 47, a wee laugh for the June 5th weekend. I am Mr. Two Frames, joined in studios by the L-Train. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Pretty wet. <laughs> yeah, it's It's been raining kind of hard today. We're in the middle of a typhoon. I know. Hopefully it doesn't uh, get too far into the background noise, but we had to record today. Yes, hope, hopefully it doesn't make the broadcast damp. I know we let down our dozen listeners by uh, not putting out any episodes last weekend. Uh, we apologize. Both of us were a little under the weather. You had no voice, and I couldn't leave the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been <laughs> a one-voice show from the bathroom. Uh, unfortunately, this is probably going to happen to us every year around this time. Well, My allergies get me every year. Hopefully I can get out of the bathroom. Yeah. I don't want to, do, I don't want to go through that again. No. No, that was brutal. Hmm? Poor Rue. <laughs> it was like trying to get in under the door, scratching the door. But I was, I was bent. I mean, it was, it was brutal. It was scary. It was insidious. Yes, it was like insidious. Yeah. Strangely enough, Insidious Three is a movie coming out this it's, weekend, or as, as it's called, Insidious Chapter Three, which is a little bit of. A misnomer. It's a little tricky because apparently this is a prequel. Have you seen any of the other Insidious films? No. They should have titled it Disingenuous. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not going to follow the chronology, come on. Well, I mean, it's popular in horror movies to go back and do a prequel. I didn't know this is a prequel. To me, the title doesn't give away that it's a prequel. Uh, apparently, this is set before the haunting of the Lambert family that reveals how gifted psychic Elise Rainer reluctantly agrees to use her ability to contact the dead in order to help a teenage girl who has been targeted by a dangerous supernatural entity. So it's pretty much every other movie that comes out that's a horror movie. Yeah, this is your standard ghost, supernatural, thriller, uh, PG-13 territory. Teenagers like them. I know. Apparently it's going to make a lot. I mean, but it's probably... It's a big weekend for them, I guess. Budget of maybe $10 million at the most. So if it makes $50 million, it's doing quite well. Yeah, if it makes $20 million, you've doubled your money. Well, it'll make it'll probably make $50 million. I wonder if It Follows made that much. I bet you It Follows didn't. No, but it follows again. That I think I read that was about a four million dollar budget. So even doing eleven million, that doesn't seem like much business. Mm-hmm. All your investors get their money back. They probably get their money doubled. They're happy. Yeah, but then the people have to watch it too, and it's just the dumbing down of America. Yeah. Well, this time we have Dilma, or Dermot Mulroney <laughs> starring in this. I kind of like that guy. He's never really hit it big though. He's always been a character actor. He's Wasn't the love he in, interest in My Best Friend's Wedding. Was he in This Is Where I Leave You? Mm-mm. I don't think Who so. Who was that guy? Who was the boyfriend in This Is Where I Leave You, or the husband that kept trying to leave? And I think he actually wound up leaving. It might have been him. I know he was in August Osage County, I think which is a very guy. similar role. Yeah. Uh, he was the father in Stoker, a film that both of us enjoyed quite that a bit. That was probably the... Wait... Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm confused about who I'm thinking of. You're thinking of the guy from Twin Peaks. I don't know. Right? I 
It's got know. him, and apparently it's got a Stephanie Scott, who is from Ant Farm. It's a Disney TV show, Advanced Natural Talents Farm. Huh. It ran for three or four years on Disney. I don't know. You going to see it? No. I haven't seen the first two. I don't think I could follow this one. Well, you wouldn't have to, because it's a prequel. I, I, but I wonder if you, if you really should watch this one first, then go watch the other two. I'll have to ask my students what's the, going to be the proper viewing order. Are your students interested to see it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. They love all these. Oculus, when that came out back in the fall. See, so a parent will let a kid go see something like that, but mm-hmm. they won't let them see something like Fury Road. Yeah. Because it's rated R. So the R tag is the only thing that distinguishes between whether or not a parent's going to let a kid go see a movie. I think in a lot of cases. Huh. And, you know, Mad Max, sure, it's R-rated, but the language really wasn't that bad. There's a handful of profanities. Did the there theaters... is a fair amount of violence, but it, none of it's gratuitous. None of it's really over the top. Do you think the theaters uh, stick to that? Uh, you need an escort to go in? Um, I think maybe if you go early in the day, you might be able to sneak in. Not that... I'm advising our audience to do it, but when I've gone later in the afternoon to movies or in the evening, they almost always have ushers in front of the huh. R-rated movies that are popular for the kids. I don't know if I've ever been to a... I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson night. has someone. <laughs> Standing there? Yeah, blocking. Like an, I, I, an adolescent goalie? I didn't tell you my story with my bloody Valentine when I went to go see uh, that in 3D. And who, now that, who was your bloody Valentine? <laughs> no, it's the, it's oh, the, movie. the movie. It's a remake of okay. the 80s slasher film. As I was walking down that long corridor, there was a kid talking to the usher saying, my dad went to go get popcorn, you can let me in, you know, it's okay, here, I have my ticket. And the guy's like, you have to have an adult. So as I was walking up, I winked at the kid. And the kid goes, oh, there's my uncle, there's my uncle. The usher's like, I thought you said it was my dad. He's like, no, my uncle. And the usher turns to me and says, do you know this child, sir? And I went, I've never seen him before in my life. And I walked in. He started crying. That story could have gone so many different ways. Instead, it went yeah. it went that way. It's the only acceptable one. Well, the winking part is kind of scary. What, you do the head nod? I do nothing. The reverse nod? Uh, a, I'm not going to see my bloody Valentine. And, In 3D. Yeah. And two, I'm not making eye contact with any kid at any point in public. On the off chance, they might be one of my students. Yeah, but, I mean, that's probably one of the last times I went to, like, a 5 o'clock showing of a film on a Saturday. Huh. Now, if I go to the movies, it's early. I mean, you're the same yeah. way for the most oh, part. Oh, yeah. The, the fewer people that are in the theater, the better for me. All right. So, then, if you're not going to see Insidious, if you're not up for horror... What? This is probably the movie that's going to win the box office this week. It's Spy. Paul Feig is the director. Mm-hmm. Um... He's the guy that's behind Bridesmaids and one of my favorite movies of a few years ago, Heat. That uh, movie with Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock where it's like a buddy cop picture. This is a buddy spy thing. I guess it's a send-up of uh, Get Smart. That kind of. It, uh, it feels like Get Smart with just the gender swap. It's getting a lot of, um, it's getting a whole lot of uh, positive buzz, though. It's got that Jason Statham in it. I like him. It does? Yeah. And Jude Law, he's a pretty good character actor now. So I think he's playing the villain. I've seen one of the trailers. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. 
but then I saw the beginning of another trailer after I saw that there was positive buzz and there were a few neat things in it that they were doing and I stopped watching it altogether. So, cause I think I might actually take a, ch- take a chance to go see this movie. So, I like that Rose Byrne. She's in it too. I like Rose Byrne. If it starred Rose Byrne and was co-starring Melissa McCarthy, I might be tempted. So to you're see just it. not ready to embrace the fat chick. It's not just that. admit that. No, I, I no, like... admit it. You're not em- ready to embrace the fat lady. Phoebe. Was great from the Drew Carey show. Oh, okay. Why couldn't she get more work? I I liked Roseanne Barr. She Devil. It's it's classic. Yeah, we should review that on the show. (laughs) Okay. Well, no, I just I don't find Melissa McCarthy funny. All right, I I dig her vibe, man. She's funny to me. All right, I like everyone else. Uh, she is Paul Feig's. She is to. Paul Feig, what DiCaprio is to Scorsese. Because <laughs> she's going to be in that uh, Bridesmaids, or she wasn't Bridesmaids, she's going to be in the, uh, the Ghostbusters movie that they're redoing or remaking. Yeah, she seems to be pretty much the only confirmed name. She's probably the probably the biggest name, pardon the pun. Yeah, I, I wish they could get Tina Fey. That would be good. I think they won't, Tina- why, they're not even trying. Tina Fey and Sandra Bullock? Oh, there are a ton of people. Emily There's Stone. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, there, there are... Rose Byrne. Lo- I'd love to see Rose Byrne in there. Uh, I don't think they know the four people they want yet. Hmm. Like, what demographic are you going to go after? Definitely getting a Tina Fey is very different from getting some young actress. Well. Like a Bella Thorne. You know, if you're going after the Disney star type thing. The Chloe Grace Moretz. Would she yeah. be able to stretch out her comic... Uh, um, wings and fly, maybe. She was funny as Hit Girl in the Kick Ass movies. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that's the movie of of the three major releases that are coming to the theaters this week that I might wind up seeing. What's the third one? The third one's Entourage hmm. from the hit HBO TV show that went off the air what four years ago. Yeah, we're finally getting the movie version. This is the continuing adventures. Apparently now. Strike when the iron is cold. Yeah, Vincent Chase is going to star in studio head, uh, former super agent Ari Gold's new movie, and he wants to direct, and the boys are back to help. And okay. The trailer shows cameo after cameo after cameo. I uh, think there were like eight stars shown as cameos in the film. When you start throwing cameos in the trailer, because A, it gives away the cameo appearance. It's like you're not going to put Matt Damon in Interstellar. But spoiler for Interstellar. if you're already putting in eight cameos, how many more are in this film, and how much does that just slow down the film? I don't know. I to me, maybe that was an element of the show that people liked. I never really got into the show, so I don't have much to say about Entourage. No. Then the other weird thing is this is coming out on Wednesday. It's the only one of the three films to debut on Wednesday instead of the normal Friday opening. And normally you do that when you think your film's going to do really big box office. Hmm. There's a built-in audience there. I don't know how big it is or actually what it is. Yeah, and will they go in mass to theaters? Just because people will sit on their couch and watch your TV What's show doesn't mean R. Uh, hmm. It's a really hard R. Supposedly they had to go back and cut stuff because originally it was NC-17. <laughs> wow. For nudity and stuff. Huh. So... Who's the guy that plays um, Vincent Chase's brother? Johnny Drama? Yeah. Uh, that's Kevin Dillon. Matt He's Dillon's. funny. 
brother. Yeah. He's probably the only thing that would make the movie inter- or funny at all. I like Jeremy Piven in certain things. I hear he's quite the douchebag. Well, he plays he's a not jerk well on liked. the show. Yeah. All right, yeah, so Entourage, I have no idea, and I don't think the studios really know. I could see this doing anywhere between 8 and $30 million. Wow. All right. So... I think I think the studios are afraid people will wait for this to come out on Redbox. I don't know. So could be a surprise sleeper hit. All right. So if you're staying home because of the rain, because you're not into the three movies coming out this weekend, what could you uh, get off of the Netflix? All right. So I'm going to do this in reverse. Well, maybe not in reverse, but I'm going to talk about the movie that I would recommend for listeners like Nicole C. Last. This is a movie I think you would enjoy. Ooh. It's my net pick. So this is on Netflix. Nicole C. generally likes movies that are on Netflix to be recommended, but I found this movie on Netflix, and so I'm switching things up. So, uh, Netpick this week is mm-hmm. Dogfight. Ooh. 2015 documentary by Billy Corbin about street fighting in Miami-Dade County. It's a story of this guy, Dada 5000. He's a six foot two, 275-pound wrecking ball apparently he was kimbo slice's bodyguard at one point kimbo slice is a big name in mma or one of the early heavyweight title or holders i don't know he did a lot of the underground the street kind of mma stuff uh lots of videos on youtube so did he make it big in the mixed martial arts or the cage fighting the first um free television show it was on cbs okay he was supposed to take on ken shamrock shamrock got injured the day of the fight so he took on seth petrozelli and got knocked down like nine seconds right i kind of remember that yeah and but i thought shamrock was a slighter part this slice guy looks like he's 280 pounds um Probably that would be close to his walking around weight. The upper limit's 265. Shamrock's probably a good 240. Wow. Maybe 250. I thought he was a lot smaller than that. But anyway, this is about street fighting. So these are guys in the backyard. This this uh, Dada 5000 puts on these uh, like impromptu, I guess maybe monthly uh, Street fights, he sells tickets. There's a little VIP section that he cordons <laughs> off. He gets out the folding chairs. and uh, Are they showing you the full fights? Yeah, but the editing is really obnoxious. There's a lot of good coverage. Mm-hmm. And it happens so quickly like these street fights kind of do. Like, you know, where you... Uh, <laughs> if if, if one guy it? knows how to fight and the other guy doesn't... <clears throat> You know, if you have one or two good moves, you can win a fight very quickly. Well, there's the, the people that do fight fight each other. So there's about I don't know. He's got a cadre of about ten to fifteen fighters, and they all fight each other from week to week. Sometimes he brings in people that, to settle things from the neighborhood so that they won't you know shoot each other. <laughs> it's a pretty depressing look at American life, which a slice of American life, which is something that. I don't think any of us would ever understand. It shows the vast difference between my understanding of America and my reality and the reality of, you know, 27 year olds living in Miami Dade County, Florida, or, you know, some inner city somewhere. So this is not going to be a feel good film. No, 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 no. This guy, uh, Billy Corbin did, he got his, 
probably accolades for Cocaine Cowboys in 2006. It was a documentary about drug cartels in Miami. And he did a couple of documentaries for uh, ESPN 30 for 30s on Miami University. So this guy's big into Miami. Oh, okay. Showing yeah. sort of the dark underbelly of... Yeah, if he's the one that did the football program at Miami, that was a wonderful yeah. 30 for 30. The U, and then the next one was the U, too, not the band. <laughs> so that's the net pick. I like it. But Nicole C., you don't have to watch that one. Not bad. <laughs> what should we watch on Redbox? If uh, you're going by the Redbox, there's a really good adventure film. Notice I don't say action film. It's an adventure film called Black Sea. All right. Um, it's a British film. Yeah, Scottish Scottish, British, well, the accents are all over the place. Right. There's also some Russian thrown in there. Uh, it's about some guys, they go, they get an old submarine, and they go in search of Nazi gold mm. from a supposed sunken ship from World War II, and they try and retrieve this gold, and things go bad. It's very much just an adventure story. There's no real antagonist other than the sea. I understand that they shot it in a real submarine. Oh yeah, the the sea, the the submarine uh creates a wonderful environment. So the, it, it wasn't it's a set, old, it's rusty. Yeah. yeah. There is so much character from the submarine and the way things uh pop and creak and groan. It's wonderful and I mean it's one of those classic men on adventure trying to get something done and whenever things get bad, everyone just starts sweating. It's wow. a very sweaty film. Ooh. Yeah. I also hear that Jude Law owns his baldness in it. Yeah. yeah. Like he gets some praise for going ahead and accepting the fact that he has a receding hairline. Jude Law's okay. The problem is his accents all over the place. Uh, the two acting performances I really liked in the movie are from Scoot McNary and Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Two, two guys that we talk about quite a bit on this show. Two very gifted uh, character actors. Character I'd actors, say. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, Black Sea, good adventure film. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't have Netflix, you don't want to go by the Redbox, but you do have Amazon Prime. Right. Amazon, what you get? Amazon Prime pick of the week. Let me. I'm just going to give you this uh, cast. You tell me whether or not it's interesting. Jessica Tandy, Bruce Willis, Ooh. Melanie Griffith, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. Dylan Walsh. Is that the Twin Peaks guy that we talked about earlier? <laughs> I don't know. And Paul Newman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All of these people, plus some others that I don't know, Margot Martindale and a few others, they were in this movie called Nobody's Fool. And that came out in 1994. Robert Benton wrote the screenplay, and he directed it. It's based on a novel by a guy named Richard Russo. And it's about a curmudgeonly old dude played by Paul Newman, one of his last uh, screen roles. And... Uh, I think he was still like actively engaged in racing, mm-hmm. even though he was getting older at the time. But this was like what he wanted to do so that he could support his hobby as a racer because you don't make a whole lot of money racing uh, vintage automobiles. Um, it's one of the first movies I remember seeing in the theater that made me aware that movies can be literature huh. because of the complicated subplots and, and the incredibly good dialogue and the interaction between the characters. And, uh, it's got Melanie Griffith at the height of her powers and Bruce Willis. I think he may have been, 
He wasn't in the trailer. Yeah, because they didn't want... He was associated with uh, Die Hard and movies like that, I think. I think. I and think that part of it, they didn't want it, They didn't want people to think it uh, capitalized on that sort of image of him. And his a, dramas and comedies had done pretty right. badly. Hudson Hawk, Color of Night, that sort of stuff. He's pretty good, though, in this. Actually, no one gives a weak performance. I think it's Jessica Tandy's last film role. And uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's great as uh, a police officer who harasses... Uh, Paul Newman. So, so this is okay. It's my Amazon Prime pick of the week. I like it. It's a nice hidden gem. So, uh, nobody's fool if you've got Amazon Prime. If you're streaming from Netflix, we're recommending the documentary Dogfight. If you head by the Red Box, pick up the Atch, or sorry, the adventure film Black Sea. Um, in theaters, we're saying Spy's probably your best bet. Go with the comedy starring Melissa McCarthy. After that, if you like horror, especially the PG-13 variety, go with Insidious Chapter 3. And if you like the TV show Entourage, the saga continues with the movie. Um, so that's episode 47. I think next time we're going to do a laugh classic. Laugh yeah. Clackic. I don't know what we're calling it. Classics. Uh, we're looking at the World War One film Paths of Glory. Another by, hidden gem. By the great Stanley Kubrick. And I'm not sure we've ever talked about Stanley Kubrick's films on the podcast in any great depth. No, we may have alluded to a few every once in a while. This is John McCain's favorite war movie. It's, it's a great film. Yeah. So that will be on Laugh 48, which is dropping later this week. Right. Well, L-Train, thank you for joining me in Flying Bull Production Studios. Thank you. Uh, this is Mr. Two Frames saying... There be dragons. Box at Bonum, everybody. It's going to be hard uh, when the when the guys come down this summer. I told him there were two rules for doing the laugh track. Don't talk over each other. Watch the profanity. We don't want an explicit tag. And one guy's like, I cuss a f***ing lot. <laughs>